0: A rapper is shot dead, and within hours, the conspiracy theories already start. And then we take a look at the story of Jerry Williams, a man who went missing for 18 years and his mother's quest to find the killer. And then we take a look at the Pombero, a small, disgusting, gremlin-type creature, kind of like a gnome that plays tricks on people, moves their car keys, knocks over potted plants... But this one has an especially sinister side. It's also a serial rapist. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We're going to just jump right into this because we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Nipsey Hussle. Rapper shot dead in the street along with three of his associates now I had never heard of Nipsey Hussle I actually may refer to him several times as Nipsey Russell because I'm a little more familiar with him that's who he got his name after Nipsey Russell was a comedian on game shows when I was growing up and Nipsey Hussle is a rapper, but I'll, I'll constantly confuse their names. I'm constantly talking about Nipsey Hussle, I think, one other time. It's getting confused, and it's getting confused. But anyways, he got shot down in the streets. That happened on Sunday, within hours, within hours. Let me read you the headline of this article that popped up maybe like five hours after he died. All these numbers are part of the headline, by the way. 334647... 58626774118137187228. Six, six, seven, seven, one, 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 two, two, Murder of Nipsey Hussle, March 31st, 2019, at his store, that's in like quotes for some reason, at his store, plus Nipsey Russell, Lauren London, and Dr. Sebi. This website is chock full of numerical codes showing that. Nipsey Hussle was sacrificed by the Illuminati. Yes, the world controlling organization that controls everything from the World Bank to the militaries all around the world, the global elite, they are responsible for shooting down a 33-year-old black man at his place of business. They said, you know what, we've already talked to Kissinger today, let's see, Soros, we'll see him tomorrow, what else do we have on the docket? Oh yeah, let's kill this rapper who has one album out. Ah, oh, that's perfect. Why are we doing it? Well, he tur- he's 33 years old, and today is March 31st, and if you add up three, and the the three of the March, and, and the other Illuminati members are like, yeah, dude, we know our own code, you don't have to explain it, I was just wondering. And I'm like, well, yes? So the Illuminati goes out and kills this man and others outside of his store. Quote-unquote store, according to this guy. He probably was assuming it was a drug front or something like that. Within hours, this conspiracy theory popped up. Even when, when the show first started, I did a couple episodes on XXX Tentation. and it's funny because you can kind of see... It took place over three or four episodes, and you can see how the conspiracy theory started to grow from him getting shot, and it was tragic, to him possibly having a beef with Drake. And then to Balbereth Archduke Demon of Hell um, going down there and killing him with some other gangbangers or something like that. It was absolutely bizarre. But it took a couple days. This one within hours, this website, breaks down the date that he was killed, the age he was killed, the numerical value of his last tweet, which was having strong enemies is a blessing. If you add all the letters up, it says 187, which is the murder code in California. It even ties in the release date of his girlfriend's first movie. If you break that down numerically, it equals a demon number. The proof is overwhelming, and by the word proof, I mean nonsense. The nonsense is absolutely overwhelming within hours, shocking to me. Super bizarre. The whole I mean the it's a massive page of just numbers. To that to them is just proof that he was sacrificed by the world controlling Illuminati. When they're not busy eating babies or shape-shifting into reptilians, they're walking around Crenshaw, murdering people on March 31st. You know how many people were 33 years old yesterday on March 31st? A lot. A huge amount. Unless one-third of them got killed, or one-thirty-third of the 33-year-old population got killed on March 31st. I'm not buying it. But these people are. And what sucks is that this page is going to be up forever, and that's fine. I don't want to say that sucks. It's free speech, but you know what I mean? Like, this information's up forever. People who just want to find out a little bit about Nipsey Hussle are going to go to this page. Nine out of ten people are going to dismiss it or won't be able to make heads or tails of it, but one t- one out of ten people is going to look at it and say, hmm, maybe he was killed by Henry Kissinger. Hmm. So, but anyways... To whatever, I have no other way to end that segment other than just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that it's even, even exists this closely to his death. Let's go ahead and move on to our first story. That story just kind of fell in my lap. I didn't plan to do it, but I was like, I gotta cover this weirdness. Let's go ahead and move on to our first story. In Tallahassee, Florida, sits a gravestone. And an elderly woman is staring at it from her car. She had it erected just a few days ago, but she still visits it. The gravestone sits there in a peaceful graveyard, simply says, Rest in peace, Jerry Michael Mike Williams. Loving father, loving son, loving brother. Born October 16th, 1969. Murdered December 16th, 2000. Buried September 6th, 2018. When reporters asked her, why did you put the word murdered on the gravestone? She had a simple answer. She said, in a hundred years from now, when somebody is in the cemetery, it might make them go back and look and wonder what happened to him. I just feel really sad that my son, he didn't get to live his life. The story of Jerry Williams is a is a kind of an odd story, and it almost sets itself up for a lot of twists and turns. But it really starts off with the disappearance of jerry williams jerry williams on december 16th went out to go duck hunting he gets on his boat this is down in tallahassee florida so he gets on his boat has a shotgun goes out early one morning never comes back and it's the normal thing people start reporting him missing his wife reports him missing his his mom reports him missing they can't find him they do know that he went duck hunting so when law enforcement goes out there and finds his boat empty, they fear the worst. Now, what they figure happened is that he had his waiters on, not like little butlers clinging onto him, but he had those rubber pants that were kind of heavy, and he fell off the boat, and then he was eaten by alligators. His wife, Denise, was obviously upset about this. They'd been married for quite a few years. The mother is inconsolable. She can't believe that this happened. But the cops say it was an accident. Six months later, they do find his waiters butlering around in the swamp. Okay, I know that's a bad joke, but I have to I have to make this lighthearted in some way. They find his waiters and they find his jacket, like his vest with his ID in it. So at that point, six months later, the cops do declare him legally dead. They go, alligators must have eaten him. Horrible accident. But mom doesn't think it's an accident. She writes letters to the governor of Florida. Every single day. 2,600 letters in total. Now, it's funny because when you write, a lot of people don't know this, when you write a government official, you go on a watch list for the most part. I've had friends who've worked in government, and they've told me, don't ever write a letter to your senator. Don't ever write a letter to your governor. I'm like, why not? And they go, because they put you on a watch list. It's not a permanent watch list. But if you write a letter saying, the rent's too high, or I'm not getting enough money for my corn feed, they will take your letter and they'll read it. The staffers read it generally. And then they'll put it in a file. And then that way they can go, oh yeah, that guy, he's been writing us all these letters. They can go directly to your file and go, This guy is kind of harassing us. So don't don't do that. But anyway, I know in democracy we're supposed to be able to do that. But I guess write him and tell him you're doing a great job, but be friendly. But anyways. I don't write letters to my government officials. She, but what are you going to do? It's a grieving mother. I mean, she probably was on a watch list, but twenty six hundred letters to the governor over this span of time, saying please open the investigation. Now, what? And she would stand on street corners with a big signs saying, "Who killed my son? Where's my son?" Just hor- tragic, man. Tragic. The mom just couldn't deal with it. Rightfully so. So that happened in two thousand when he went missing. In two uh, the. There were certain cops who were like, I don't think that is what happened to him. I think something else happened to him. But there was no evidence. In 2004, four years later, I I don't know how they came across this information. But I imagine a cop was taking his kids to the zoo, went to the alligator exhibit. And the zookeeper said, alligators actually don't eat during the winter. They stay low in the water. They do all their eating when it's warmer. And when it gets super cold, they stay at the bottom of the water where it's not freezing for them. And the cop's like eating his popcorn, standing next to his kid being like, uh-oh, <laughs> that's not good. Goes back to the precinct. Hey, guys, you won't believe what I learned at the zoo. And he still has like a giraffe balloon. And he's still like wearing his shirt that it's like his picture, his face imposed on a monkey. They're like, dude, why are you in here with that uniform? He's like, stop it, stop it. Hey, let me tie my balloon down so it doesn't fly away. Alligators do not eat during winter months. There is no way that Jerry fell off that boat and was eaten by an alligator. Because it was in December. The other investigators are like, is that caramel? Is that caramel popcorn? Can I have some? He's like, yeah, yeah, take the popcorn. But what do you think about my theory? And they go, that's actually quite fascinating. So the cops decide to reopen the investigation, but the problem is four years have passed and they treated the original disappearance as an accident. So they didn't secure a crime scene or anything like that. Now we're going to fast forward to the year 2016. So 16 years after the disappearance. Denise Williams Ended up remarrying a man named Brian Winchester. And they were actually friends with Jerry. Like, Jerry and Denise were married, and then Brian and his wife were married, and they'd go on double dates together. But after Jerry disappeared, Brian ended up leaving his wife for irreconcilable differences. And Denise and Brian started dating and eventually got married. But in 2016, the marriage started to fall apart. She wanted a divorce. She said he was a sex addict. And she couldn't deal with it anymore, which is probably why he got divorced to his first wife. Denise gets the divorce, and one day she's driving to work. And she sees something for a quick second in the back of her seat. She turns, and Brian Winchester jumps out of the back seat like the boogeyman, puts a gun to her head, and says, drive to this location. Now, she does the smart thing. She drives the opposite direction and parks outside of a grocery store. So now there's a bunch of witnesses around. And he starts freaking out and he goes, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I'm going to kill myself and all this stuff. And she's saying, don't kill yourself. Like, that's not smart. Just give me the gun. And, I, you know, we obviously I'm not going to get back together with you because you're threatening me. I don't think she said that, but I think that's what was going through her mind. Eventually, she talks him down from killing her and killing himself. And then, oddly enough, she drives him back to his car so he could go home. And creepy, this part was creepy, he's like, thank you, thank you, Denise, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm just going to get out of your car now, I, I never meant to hurt you, and as he's getting out of the back of her car, she sees him grab two plastic sheets, bleach, and a tool. So he was basically about to murder and dispose of her, and he's like, you, you're not going to call the cops, right, I, do, I don't want to go to jail, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, and she's like, I'm, of, of course not, Brian. Despite all we've been through, you're still my husband at one point until I caught you being a sex addict. And he's like, thank you. And it's not an addiction. It's just like, I can stop anytime I want. And she's driving off. Now, she immediately goes to the police and says, yo, let me bust the flow for you. No, she goes. So, no, she walks into the police department and she sees like a deflated animal balloon on the ground. And she goes, my ex-husband just put a gun on my head, threatening to kill me and then kill himself. So they arrest him. And he gets charged with kidnapping. And attempted murder and all this stuff, and gets sentenced to 20 years. And at this point, the cops are thinking okay, we have a widow of a man who went missing. She remarries one of his really, really good friends since high school, and he threatened to murder her. So maybe he has something to do with disappearance. Brian Winchester sold life insurance, and before Jerry went missing, he sold a bunch of life insurance that was not necessarily under Denise's name, or it was hidden that she had recently purchased this life insurance on her husband, totally $1.75 million. And the police are like, if we had known that back then, she would have been a suspect. But she wasn't, because we didn't know that. It was hidden well, and the person who sold it to her was now in prison for kidnapping. So they go to him, and they're like, listen, we're pretty sure you have something to do with the murder of jerry williams and brian winchester goes yeah yeah i killed him but but big asterisk there denise ordered me to he tells this tale this is absolutely tragic that him and denise had been having an affair for years and They decided first to kill both of their husbands and wives on a boat accident. And he's like, I don't want to kill the mother of my children. Also, that'd be really suspicious if two people died and two people lived and then they ended up getting married. But anyways, he said, you know what? I remember once I went hunting with your husband and during the affair and he fell into some quicksand. And I stood there for a second and thought I could just let him drown. No one will ever know. And I'll get to be with his wife, my girlfriend. But something took over and I pulled him out of the quicksand. And so Denise goes, that's perfect. Why don't we stage a hunting accident? We'll leave it up to God. If he survives, it's because God willed him to survive. And if he doesn't, then we can be together. So no one else knew this but Denise. But on that duck hunting trip, it was Brian Winchester and Jerry Williams in that boat. And after, it it was like five in the morning, it was super dark. After Jerry had put on his waders... Which Brian was like, hey, you should put on your waders. It was a weird situation. The guy's like, really? He's like, yeah, put them on. You look so snazzy in them, Jerry. Put them on. He puts them on Brian and then pushes him into the water. But he doesn't drown. Even with the weighted pants down, he bobs back up to the surface somehow. And swims to a big tree stump sitting in the middle of the lake. And at that point, Brian Winchester is looking at him. And he circles his boat around, gets closer to him, and shoots him in the face with a shotgun. Now he hauls the body up and buries it, buries it nine feet deep, goes home, cleans up, goes to a Christmas party. So they had the murder of Jerry Williams solved. But now the police had to go after the wife, Denise. What is absolutely bizarre... Th- that whole story is heartbreaking. You can imagine the young man cling- clinging onto the log and seeing his best friend circle the boat after knowing that he got pushed into the water, seeing the boat getting closer and closer to you, the shotgun aimed at you, and all that stuff. But anyways, all that being said, in 2018, Denise was also arrested for the murder of her husband, and she was sentenced to life in prison with absolutely no physical evidence. None. She never confessed. They had a couple recordings where she would say stuff like, what do you know? What's going on? But see, Brian said, the reason why I kidnapped her and wanted to kill her, because I was afraid she was going to turn me into the police because we were getting a divorce. But what he ends up doing is turning her into the police after he got a 20-year sentence. It's possible that she had nothing to do with it at all. He gets 20 years for kidnapping her, and he makes the whole story up. It's possible. But the police say, nah, she had something to do with it. Life in prison, no physical evidence. The word of someone who's already facing 20 years, who you broke their heart. Now, do I think Denise is guilty? Yeah, probably. And I think she's guilty because if she didn't know about it at the beginning, which she probably did, but let's say she didn't, she definitely knew about it when she got the $1.75 million coming in. Like, obviously, she had bought... I think that's really what they hung their hat on, the prosecution, that she would bought this life insurance and stuff like that. But crazy story. And that poor mom, for a decade and a half, trying to convince the rest of the city that her son was murdered, and they finally find him in a bog. that was actually so well preserved, some of his clothes were still on his body. She never gave up. She kept fighting for the truth about her son, And in the end, she has the truth etched on his gravestone. He was murdered. He was murdered. And his life was ended very short. You know what's funny? This episode is actually kind of depressing. This next story, we are going to beautiful... Where does this take place? Oh, yes. We are going to beautiful parts of Argentina and southern Brazil. But all of Paraguay. You know, that region that you always see in the brochures. This story is actually a request from Nicholas via email. So we're traveling through all of Paraguay, southern part of Brazil, and parts of Argentina. Very odd tour that we're on. Because we're just like walking through parts of Brazil and they're like, no, 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 no! now we got to go all through Paraguay. This little creature is known to inhabit all those areas. We're on tour, we're walking with our tour guide. And we're like, he's like, look at these beautiful Brazil nut trees. And we're like, are we in Paraguay at this point? I think we're in Brazil They're Brazil nuts. Are we in parts of Argentina? And the guy's like, dude, just pay attention to the beautiful stuff around us. Quit worrying about the geography. But at a certain point, he goes, you know, I'm a little parched. We need to go get some lemonade. So we all go to this house. This house in the middle of nowhere, which is already creepy enough. But we're in the house and you feel like something's watching you the whole time. <laughs> You turn, you look, you see like a little shadow run by. You think, oh, it's just a cat walking upright. You kind of brush it off, even though you still hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what's going on, man? Go up to the tour guide. You're like, hey, is there something in the house? And he's like, no. I mean, I don't know. Could be a pombero or two, but I wouldn't worry about it. You're a dude, right? I'm like, I look at the length of my arms. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm a guy. And he's like, okay, I wouldn't worry about it. But um, you might want to keep an eye on the women folk. What? Okay, let's get some lemonade. So you're super paranoid at this point because you can feel like something's watching you. And what is watching you is known as a palm barrow. They also go by the name Pyrogi, which means hairy feet, or Karai hair, which means Lord of the Night or Man of the Night. And Nightman from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia popped in my head and then I realized what they're describing is basically Danny DeVito. Okay, before I read this first description, I love you to death, Danny DeVito, but this is what the bomb barrel looks like. He's short and ugly, short arms, hairy hands and feet, and the feet are so hairy, it actually gives him like a stealth movement. Like his hairs are actually like dampening the noise. So it's not just like hairy feet on the front, hairy soles, which seems incredibly uncomfortable. Imagine having a million little pebbles in your shoes, but you don't have shoes and they're attached to your body. He lives in forests. He lives in abandoned homes. Sometimes he lives in your home. Sometimes he's hanging out where you live. Sometimes he's tired of living all by himself. He wants to go into a home with a family. These things are very, very well known in parts of Argentina, southern Brazil, and all of Paraguay. Very well known. To this day, they're still considered... They're basically... On the equivalent of a Bigfoot type creature where everyone knows about them, everyone has like a legend, and some people have encounters with them. There's YouTube videos about these little ghoulish creatures walking around. Nicholas had heard growing up that they lived in potted plants inside your house, so again it's an int- the bigfoot at least you're like, well, as long as I don't go to the Pacific Northwest, I don't have a problem. Imagine if Bigfoot was your roommate like and you can't get rid of him. he's just like hanging out in your house. obviously you'd be able to go like a bigfoot because he's knocking stuff over. But the Pombero is actually like a gremlin. Where even if you caught him, he would just snicker and run away. Wrecks stuff in your house, steals your car keys, knocks over your plants, kicks your cat, does whatever. And then he'll go out to your farm and start killing your animals. Like strangling chickens, ripping the udders off of cows. That's kind of gruesome. But he's just like messing with your livelihood. So what they... Oh, oh, and he also has a special target... He goes after kids who slingshot birds. People who, little kids are shooting pebbles at birds, he totally hates them. Now, the Pombero, before he shows up, he has a couple quirks. He'll whistle. He'll whistle, and it sounds exactly like a bird, and then he'll make his appearance. He'll just kind of walk into the scene. There's a YouTube video of a bunch of adult men sitting around, and then a Pombero shows up. I'd have seen the video years ago. It's really kind of creepy. It could be fake. Most likely is, but it's still creepy. But before he shows up, you hear the whistle. He whistles because he's talking to birds, and that's why he hates kids who go after birds with slingshots. He also has an affinity for rum, honey, and cigars, which, again, reminds me of Danny DeVito. If he's messing with your livestock or if he's running around your house tipping over tables and stuff like that, basically poltergeist activity, but this one is real. You just give him some... You leave out some rum and some cigars on your windowsill, and he'll actually won't go in your house. If he's already in there, you're kind of SOL, but you can still give him this stuff, and eventually, if you give him enough rum and cigars, he will become, he'll like you so much, he'll become a guardian of your property, protecting it not only from other Pomberos, but just bad actors in general, smoking that cigar, drinking that rum. I don't know if I would want a protector who was sloshed all the time from all the rum, but better than nothing it's better than him attacking you to this day a lot of farms will still leave out glasses of rum and a cigar on their windowsill superstition possibly but they still do it because they go i want the pombero to be my friend if you ever want a free drink go to parts of argentina southern brazil and all of paraguay and just walk onto a farm i doubt anything bad will happen to you you'll get a free shot of rum if not a free shot of buckshot in the brain for trespassing So that would be that, right? You got this little gremlin-type character. Gremlin-esque creatures are all known all over the world. Sometimes they're poltergeists. Sometimes they're just little guys messing with the planes of World War II fighter pilots, whatever. That would be it normally. It would just be a normal little cryptid. This one, though, has a special ability that I actually think ranks it in some of the most dangerous cryptids out there. He's a serial rapist, which is not normal. I mean, you can have go- like sex with ghosts and stuff like that. Sometimes you hear about that. Or you can have succubi. But this one actually not only can rape w- women. doesn't want anything to do with men. Because he has children. I can't think of... Uh, I really can't think of another cryptid that breeds with humans. They may have cryptids like a succubus who has sex with a man. And then has like demon babies. But this one, the Pombero has sex with you. And you have a pombero, And it can do it by one of two ways. One, it can just touch the woman's belly. You just touch a woman's belly. And she gives birth. Not immediately. Not like she's like, and then a baby pops out. But he can impregnate a woman by touching her belly. Or he tricks them to have sex with him. Or even brainwashes them to have sex with him. So he has all of these magical powers, Right. He can appear as, I I think even though he's tricking them and brainwashing them, they're still banging a three foot tall little monster man. I don't think it ever shows up and is like, hello, I'm Brad Pitt. Ha ha ha, just tricking you. I'm a goblin. I think he's being like, hey, come in this abandoned barn, like a rapist. I don't think he's like shape shifting into a good looking dude. He's basically like, no, it's safe. You can walk across the ice in this lake. And then she falls in and she gets half frozen and you know. He's cra- he's a he's a rapist. He's a horrible little monster man. And then you give birth to a Pombero. And the thing is, is you give birth to a baby and it's ugly or and or hairy. Other people in the region go, oh, really? You got tricked by the Pombero? And they assume the ugly baby is a monster. Now, I, that's super bizarre to me. I don't understand. Like, let's say you have a baby and it's super hairy, and everyone in the town is like, oh man got a pombero baby what happens when that kid grows up and is like 6 feet tall do they think he's just the giant pombero but do they just go oh no i guess he wasn't a pombero we just called him a monster for the first 5 years of his life and then he got taller than 3 feet or even when he's an adult do they say he's like mom mom who's my father and she just points to the jungle and go he's out there you'll find him in parts of argentina <laughs> southern brazil and all of paraguay and he's like ah oh. It only happens to single women, though. If you're married or dating, you don't have to worry about the pombero getting you. So, again, you know, all of these stories generally come out of morality plays. All of these cryptids, the old versions of cryptids. One, don't shoot rocks at birds or the pombero is going to get you. Two, don't be single, ladies. Forget Beyonce's song or a pombero will get you. And three, I don't know what the third one is. I don't know what the morality tale is for the farmers. But anyway, so that's the—that's really how these legends grow. Is the Palm Barrow real? Who knows? I mean, whether or not he's real, I think, is the less interesting question. Because we can ask that about every cryptid. I think there's a more interesting spin on this. The idea that a cryptid can breed with a human successfully for centuries is fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating. The children that the women, of course, it's most likely not true, but again, let's put on our imagination caps here. The children that are born from these women are in all appearances human, other than the fact that they're ugly and hairy. But we would have to really go back to the days of old, like the Old Testament, when the angels were apparently interbreeding with the women on earth and giving birth to the heroes of renown. That was one of the reasons why the world was flooded, according to the Bible. Between the Old Testament and the stories of Pombero today, how many other cryptids have successfully impregnated and really successfully infiltrated the human species? How many monsters or goblins or wraiths have had intercourse with women, giving birth to not just a little monster baby, but a new branch on the human evolutionary tree. It would be odd to think that every genius, every person who has unbelievable physical strength or speed, all these people that we look at as normal humans and go, how can they do that? How is that possible that he can do that? I can never do that. What if all of them can trace their family line back to a foggy night in a barn somewhere? Or an attic or a graveyard where some cryptid, unknown to us, brainwashed a young woman and inserted their seed into the line of humanity. Ridiculous, I know. But we do live in a ridiculous world. But you know what? Every day doing the show, I don't always find proof of monsters, but... I always do find proof that this world is far, far weirder than I ever could have imagined. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.